time once again for Fan Fiction Radio Theater, your home for all the drama, excitement, and inexplicable storytelling that can only come from the unlicensed use of copyrighted characters by amateur authors unconstrained by editors, publishers, or basic rules of writing. As always, Fan Fiction Radio Theater is brought to you by the Timmy P. family of real brand products. Today's adventure, Meet Detective Camille, Part 1. A trio of good girls gone bad is wreaking havoc in Tokyo. For starters, they've taken a doctor-to-be hostage. The only ones who can save him are Tai and Kari Kamiya, a brother and sister detective team. An alternate universe Digimon fanfic that definitely should not be passed off as a kiddie show. <coughs> Disclaimer, I do not own any of the characters, human or Digimon, in this fanfic. Detective Kamiya is rated R for mild profanity, violence, sensuality, Success, suggestive sexual situations, and the collapsing of a building. Do not read if you are sensitive to one or more of these issues. Downtown Tokyo. The city of Tokyo. It's no surprise that this humongous city is so cheerful on this great day. The sun is shining brightly up in the sky above the city. The camera pans around to showcase the thousands of people walking up and down the streets early on a Monday morning. As is the same with any other metropolis, the city of Tokyo is filled with evildoers and villains, all threatening to make the city their own. A blonde-haired man, wearing a green shirt and khakis, uh, khaki pants, suddenly snatches a purse from a yellow-haired woman wearing a strapless yellow dress. She screams as the man takes off running. Ha <laughs> ha! He laughs. No one can stop me! I'm the Great Michael! Ha <laughs> ha! I say again! But unlike many of the world's other major cities... This city has its own defenders. At a nearby coffee shop, 19-year-old Kari Kamir is sipping on her daily cup of mocha latte. Usually she'll be dressed in a police uniform or a trench coat, but this happens to be her day off. One she was glad that she finally had after having to work on solving 10 cases in the past week with very little sleep. Today she was dressed in a casual outfit, a pink short sleeve shirt and yellow spandex shorts. I can't believe I actually convinced Matt to give me a day off, she said to herself, smiling. I bet Ty's got his hands full of that Oscar the Grouch case. I'm sure he can handle it, though. Stop, thief! Kari looks towards the street, quickly identifying that the screaming voice had come from a woman. She watches as a blonde-haired man, the thief, runs by with a brown purse. Kari rolls her eyes as she gets up and starts chasing after the man, leaving behind her unfinished mocha latte behind for some lucky sap to take for themselves. <laughs> Kari takes one quick glance at the victim before focusing on the thief himself. She observed that despite how slim this thief seemed to be, he was out of shape. Kari smiles again, knowing that all the training she had to go through in police camp was going to come in handy. It wouldn't take her long to catch him. Michael turns a corner and runs right into the business district during lunch hour. He had no idea that Kari was chasing him. He thought he was in the clear. Just as he is about to get himself lost in the crowd, she appears from around the bend. With a determined look on her face, Kari charges towards Michael. He pushes his way through the crowd in an attempt to get away. Kari follows him, but despite being slightly smaller than her adversary, she's having trouble getting around the crowd. This isn't working, Kari thought to herself. If I don't do something fast, he's going to get away. And then what? I can see Ty laughing at me right now. Kari begins foreshadowing into the future. 
You're telling me you couldn't even catch a purse snatcher? Ty noted, doubling over in laughter. That's so rich. Kari assured herself that she did not want that to happen. She yells over the noise of the crowd to get everyone's attention. Stop! Tokyo PD! You're under arrest! Quickly, the normally calm crowd begins to panic into a frenzy. While some people dive out of the way to allow Kari to pass through, many others are running all over the place in their attempt to clear the way. Unfortunately, they seem to be knocking e each other over, making it harder for Kari to catch up. She glances down the street and catches a glimpse of the thief, turning another corner. Wasting no time, Kari shoves her way through the crowd, being polite enough to apologize to anyone she knocks down. In the meantime, Michael was about to jump for joy. He had not only gone away with the purse he had stolen, but he had also managed to evade being caught. That was much easier than I thought, he exclaimed as he continued to run. Not even the great Michael can be apprehended by a chicken yellow spandex. <laughs> I have to admit, she was kind of cute, though. He then developed a smirk on his face. Maybe I should ask her out. Michael was too distracted thinking about how cute his pursuer was that he didn't notice the busy intersection that he was approaching. Luckily, some guy in a trench coat dives on him just before he steps into the street. In the process, the person falls out of Michael's hands and down onto the sidewalk. Thanks, man. I was almost street pizza. The stranger does not respond. Instead, he pulls out a police badge and a pair of handcuffs. What the hell is going on? Michael asked. You have the right to remain silent. The stranger began. Anything you say can be used against you in a court of law. You also have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, we will gladly provide one for you. If you wish, you may also refuse one, if you so desire. He grabs Michael's arms and puts the handcuffs around his wrists. You've got some nerve, buddy. The cop commented. I don't know what, who the hell you are, but when my partner tells you to stop, you'd better stop. And what happens if I don't? The cop smiles. Let's just say your mom won't recognize you after she's through with you. Finally, Kyrie reaches the duo, out of breath. She bends over and puts her hands on her knees as she gasps for air. The cop smiles at her. About time you got here. He noted. Oh, shut up. You didn't have to chase him through the business district. Who are you guys? Michael asked. The cop shows his badge to the thief. I'm first class detective Tai Kamiya of the Tokyo PD. Pointing to his partner, he then adds, And that's first class detective Kari Kamiya, my sister. Kari smiles and waves hello to, to the thief, despite being tired from chasing him. Hi! <laughs> nice to arrest you today! Begin theme song. The siren of an ambulance wails in the background. Younger versions of Tai and Kari are standing with their father and a hundred other mourners, all dressed in black. A gravestone marked with their family last name, Kamiya, is on it. Kari weeps openly into her brother's arms as a coffin is slowly lowered into a hole in the ground and then promptly buried in the dirt. Now, in present time, Tai, dressed in a gray suit with matching pants, along with a white button long sleeve shirt and plain orange tie, walks out of a police station. 
Kari is walking next to him, wearing the same clothes as her older brother, with the exception of a knee-length skirt in place of pants. Meanwhile, the title screen appears. The Detectives Kamiya, starring Tai Kamiya. Tai smiles goofily while lying in bed as he reminisces about an old girlfriend. Kari Kamiya. Kari walks through the police station as she flips through some papers in a folder. Also starring Matt Ishida as the chief. Matt opens a steel door and then gasps in fright at the sight of a figure standing behind it. Fanfic written and edited by Freedom Fighter. Kari dives into a small hole in the side of a building to avoid getting burned. In another scene, Tai motions to punch someone in the face, but he misses. As the song comes to an end, Tai and Kari stand in front of their mother's grave. Kari sheds a tear as she places a bouquet of flowers next to the tombstone. Tai hugs his little sister as he looks up to the sky, knowing that their mother is now in a better place. End theme song. Episode 1. Meet the Detectives Kamiya, Part 1. A few minutes have passed since the arrest. Several police cars have pulled up to the corner. Two officers were escorting Michael into the backseat of the cars. Tai and Kari share a smile as they discuss what just happened. So much for my day off, Kari commented, wiping the sweat from her forehead. I bet Matt wouldn't mind giving you another one. Besides, you're a pro at getting what you want. Her brother responded suggestively. Don't start with me, Tai Kamiya. I had to leave behind my daily dose of mocha latte to chase that guy down. I'm not in the mood. Do you mean this? Kari turns around and sees the yellow-haired girl standing there with Kari's cup in her left hand. Kari squeals with delight as she takes the cup from the girl and begins dancing around with it. I can't believe it! Oh, thank you! Thank you! While Kari continues to celebrate, she doesn't notice the surprised look on her brother's face or the equally amusing look on the girl's. Catherine? Ty asks, stunned. Catherine Bouveau, is that you? Yes, Ty, it is I, Catherine replied. Ty slowly picks the purse off of the ground and hands it to Catherine. She takes it and checks to see if anything is missing. Luckily, nothing is. So, Ty began, scratching the back of his neck head nervously. Long time no see, huh? Catherine smiles before quickly leaping at Ty and glomping onto his left leg. Hey! Ty exclaimed. He started shaking his leg in an attempt to shake her off. Get off my leg! Oh, Ty, you have no idea how much I've missed you. I've been thinking about you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Isn't that nice? Ty remarks sarcastically. And ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Okay, Catherine, I get the idea. And ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Ty reached down and put his hands over Catherine's mouth to shut her up. Okay, I get the idea. He manages to move his hands away without Catherine opening her big mouth once again. He was still struggling to shake her off his leg, though. He looks over to her sister, who is now rubbing her cup against her face. Kari, would you stop praising that cup of coffee like it's your most prized possession and come help me out over here? Kari looked up at her brother and responded, It's not coffee, Ty. It's mocha latte. She didn't notice that Catherine was holding onto her brother's left leg and wasn't letting go. Excuse me, she began to say, walking towards Catherine. But that is my brother you're glumped to. Catherine turned towards Kari. Her eyes light up instantly. Kari, is that you? Catherine gave 
Kari gave Catherine a look of confusion. Have we... met? Catherine finally releases a grip on Ty's leg, only to get up, go over, and give Kari a big hug. Kari's eyes open wide in surprise. She definitely wasn't expecting that. Ty, meanwhile, was walking over towards the duo, relieved that Catherine was no longer attached to him, so to speak. Ty, who is this girl? <clears throat> well, you see... Allow me, Sugar Plum. Sugar Plum? Ty, is there something you're not telling me? Okay, Kari, you got me. Catherine here is, well, a former acquaintance of mine. Kai raised an eyebrow at hearing this. What do you mean, former acquaintance? Catherine released her grip on Kari and quickly spoke up. What Ty means is that we were former lovers. Kai was really intrigued about this. You mean you two actually dated before? How come I've never seen or heard about her until tonight, Ty? Well, you see, Kari, we, on we only went on one date, and that was during summer camp almost ten years ago. Wasn't I at summer camp with you that year? Kari questioned. No, that was the following year. The year Catherine and I dated was the year that Mom passed away, remember? Oh, Kai replied somberly. Kai remembered herself of that tragic day when her mom got caught in the crossfire of a small gang war that was going on in their, <laughs> their apartment complex. In the past, she would break down and cry every time she thought about that horrible evening, but over the years, she had grown strong in spirit. She no longer weeped for her deceased mother. She was past that stage in her life, and she knew there was no way for her to change it. With the help of her father and Ty, she was able to keep her emotions in check. Anyway, Ty continued, snapping Kari out of her trance. Catherine was a transfer student from Paris at the time, who was staying in Japan until the end of the year. I kind of stumbled upon her when I found her lost in the woods without a flashlight. Being the gentleman that I am, I helped her back to camp. From there, we kind of hit it off. The last night of camp, Catherine buttoned in, picking up where Ty left off. We were all given free time, so Ty and I decided to go off for a little hike in the woods. Realizing where the conversation was going, Kari decided to stop them right there and then. Okay, just stop right there. I think I know what happened next. You think we... Ty began. Kari nodded her head. Catherine laughs and replies, Do you think we were stupid? We knew we were too young to get that intimate. That's a relief, Kari sighed. So you guys never saw each other again after that? Well, not exactly. Ty stated, blushing. Remember what happened three summers after that camp? Yeah, I remember. That's the year when Mimi invited us to join her on vacation to Paris, right? Yep. And anyway, remember that night when I got into an argument with Sora? Oh yeah, Kai replied. Mimi and I ended up consoling her till four that morning. What exactly did you do to her anyway? Oh, she was just mad at me because I got her a hair clip for her birthday. A hair clip? Ty, was your head on straight that night? My head is always on straight. Yeah, right. Kyra sarcastically responded. Anyway, back on topic. Catherine jumps in again to continue the story. In the weeks prior to their trip to Paris, Ty and I had been communicating through email. I gave him my address so he could visit me. My parents were out of town for the weekend, so there was nothing to worry about. Kari gasped. So I'm guessing this is when you, you two got together, per se? Catherine smiled. Yep, it was the happiest night of my life. At least it was for you. Ty grumbled angrily, now his hands crossed over his chest. Thanks to you, I lost Sora, the one girl I truly loved. 
Catherine begins patting Ty on the back. Oh, forget about her. I'm prettier than she can ever hope to be. Before Ty can interject, the group watches as the police cars begin leaving the scene. Without hesitation, Ty jumps into the driver's seat of the last car. Let's go! Ty quickly shouted his sister. We've got to file this down at the station. <clears throat> Ty Kari coughed, pointing to Catherine. We have to bring her with us. She was the victim, after all. Ty sighs in frustration as he waves Kari and Catherine into the squad car. At the police station, an officer leaves Catherine off for questioning, while Ty and Kari head towards his office. Along the way, the duo runs into the chief, Matashita. Welcome back, Ty. Nice to see you too, Kari. I thought this was your day off. You know me, Matt. You couldn't keep me away from this job even if you threatened to kill me. Sure, whatever. Remember, Kari, I can sense when someone's being sarcastic. Yeah, I remember. So, what's up, Matt? Well, Ty, we're still looking for that one clue that'll bring the end to the Oscar the Grouch case of yours. In the meantime, I have to introduce you two to someone. Ty smiles as he runs a hand through his hair, pushing it back. I bet it's a pretty woman, right? You shouldn't have, Matt. Is that all you ever think about, big brother? Matt leads the duo to their office, where two Digimon are waiting for them. One of them is a small orange dinosaur that sort of resembles a Tyrannosaurus Rex. The other is a white and purple cat with a similarly colored striped tail with a ring on it. I'd like you two to meet your new apprentices, Agumon and Gatumon. The two humans give Agumon and Gatumon the once-over. Finally, Tai speaks up. A miniature T-Rex and a cat? Do I look like the ringleader of a freak show? Digimon have feelings too, you know, Kari retorted. I think we should give them a chance. Just give us a chance, Agumon repeated. We won't let you down, added a very excited Gatomon. Give them a test drive, Matt suggested. What harm could they do? You know, Ty replied, something always goes wrong when someone says that. Who's being pessimistic now, big brother? Shut up. Matt coughs. Ty, I need you to go to the interrogation room to talk to both the suspect you just brought in, as well as his victim. Both of them at the same time? Of course not, dummy. You sh you'll meet the guy first. Excuse me, sir. Began Kari. But shouldn't I be the one to see them? I have a different assignment for you. What is it? You'll see. It'll be a good chance to show your new partner the ropes. You too, Ty. Bring Agumon to the interrogation room with you. Ty stands up and salutes Matt. I will, sir. Ty then turns towards Agumon. Follow me and I'll show you around. Agumon nods and follows Ty out of the room. Matt then motions for Kari and Gatomon to follow him to the front desk. So who exactly am I seeing? Besides, I'm off work today, remember? Matt goes up to the dispatcher's desk and pulls a copy of the police report from the in-basket on top of it. He then hands it to Kari without stopping. Consider yourself back on duty after what happened. Besides, only you have the expertise to handle this. Kari looks up at Matt, weirdly. A missing persons case, sir? Yes. About an hour ago, a young man came in. He claimed that he does not know where his younger brother is. The last time he or any of his family saw this younger brother was 8 a.m. yesterday. You're asking me to take care of a simple job like this? We have reason to believe that foul play is involved. Really? Now it gets interesting. The trio enters the waiting room. Matt temporarily takes the report from Kari and reads the name on out loud. Keto? Is there a James Keto here? After a few seconds, a gentleman in his mid-twenties gets out of his seat and walks up to the trio. 
He has bluish-gray hair and is wearing a business suit. For what reason, nobody knew. Matt went up to the gentleman and shook hands with him. I'm Chief Detective Matt Ishida. Sorry it took so long to meet with you. That's okay. Besi- By the way, my name's Jim. Jim Keto. I know it says James on the form, but most people call me Jim. That's great, Matt said sarcastically. Then he introduces Kari and Gatoman to Jim. I'd like you to meet first-class detective Kari Kamiya. She'll be the one you will be talking to about the incident you described. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Kito. Kari politely replied, shaking hands with him. And this Digimon next to her is Gatoman. This is her first day. I hope you don't mind if she's in the room with you and Kari. Oh, that's perfectly fine. The more people in the room, the better my chances of finding my brother. Matt waves goodbye as he steps off into a side corridor. Good luck, Kari. Remember, room 21, okay? I've got it. Thanks. Kari yelled back before grumbling to herself. Thanks for nothing. Ty and Kari's interrogations take them both into the early hours of the evening. It seems like they both got into good conversations with their witnesses, and that they had lost complete track of time. Meanwhile, in another part of the city, a bar and strip joint was just beginning their business for the night. The place was called the XX Gulp, for obvious reasons. (laughs) Inside, there were already a stripper on stage, entertaining a few early birds. She was fully clothed in a suit, tie, and pants, but those articles of clothing were quickly being peeled off one by one. There was a guy or two over there, already motioning to put a few bucks in the stripper's G-string. Behind the bar, a brown, spiky-haired guy with a mustache and squinty eyes was the lone server of alcohol. His brown, short-sleeved shirt, green vest, and brown pants made him distinctively distinguishable from the customers themselves. A black-haired gentleman and his datamon were sitting at the bar. The gentleman was sipping from a frosty mug of Budweiser while his Digimon was drinking a cup of motor oil spiced up with some vodka. Needless to say, they were both already tipsy after several drinks. Besides the two guys at the stage and the gentleman and his Digimon by the bar, the only other people in the whole place were a group of Digimon. A Stingmon, a Palamon, and a a Leomon, and twin Gatsumon were all sitting at the same table, cheering and singing happily to the song playing while the stripper was dancing. This is the best party I've ever been to, said a very drunk Palmon. Don't worry, my dear, Leomon said, taking Palmon by the vines. The fun's not over yet. Oh, replied Palmon, obviously seduced, yet unaware of Leomon's advances. Sure, you guys can do it all over my bed for all I care, added an irate Stingmon. But first things first, let's finish off this birthday party with a little surprise. What surprise? said one of the Gatsuman. What do you have for us? questioned the other. You'll see, the Stingmon calls over one of the waitresses slash strippers. A young girl with pink hair walks up to the group's table, dressed in a seductive bunny outfit. Think of the outfit Oolong gives Bulma on Dragon Ball. God, that's... That's actually written in the fic, folks. I just need to quickly interject to say that. Good evening! I'm Mimi, and I'll be your object of desire tonight. Anything else I can get you? Yes, began Stingmon. My friends, the twin Gatsuman over here, are celebrating their 21st birthday. I'd like you to give them something special, if you know what I mean. Sorry, sir, Mimi replied. But I don't do Digimon. Stingmon pulls out a $50 bill from his pocket and waves it in front of Mimi's face. How's 50 sound? 
Mimi smiles as she snatches the bill from Stingmon's claw and examines it. She then looks at the two prospective clients. She finally comes to a decision. Oh, you want me to do a Digimon? Why didn't you just say so? I'll do it. She grabs the two Gatsumon and leads them into the private screening room in the back of the building. The Gatsumon smile stupidly as they are led off, to the cheers of their friends back at the table. Back at the police station, Jim and Kari are shaking hands, finally finished with their so-called meeting. Don't worry, Kari said reassuredly. We'll get your missing brother. You can bet on it. Thanks. I knew I could count on you. Thank you, officer. Jim bows to Kari before walking out of the building. Kari breathes a sigh of relief as she heads back into her office. Finally, I got him to leave. How could it possibly take over four hours to convince him that we'd do everything to find his brother and bring his kidnappers to justice? Upon entering her office, she sees Gatamon there holding a styrofoam cup filled with water between her paws. As Gatamon offers the cup to her, Kari smiles and takes it. It's not my mocha latte, but it'll do. Are you going to be fine getting home, Kari? So, you've learned my name by heart already. That's good. Let's see. I'm gonna be- I'm gonna find my brother, and we'll ride home together. Thanks for the offer, but I'll be fine. Okay then, Gatamon replied, heading out of the office. See you tomorrow! Bye, Kari said, waving goodbye to her new partner. Kari then began to look around the office. She saw Matt walking her way, so she, she decided to ask him where her brother was. Matt, just the person I was looking for. Need something? Matt asked her. Do you know where my brother is? I'd like to go home now. Matt gulped nervously. He knew where Ty was, but he didn't want Kari to find out. Ty was taking care of some private business, and had told him that he didn't want anyone, especially Kari, to find out. But Kari continued to pry. Chief Ashida, where's my brother? Ty? Don't give all this bullshit, Matt. I know you know where Ty is. Tell me. Matt sighs and finally gives in. He decides to reveal Ty's plan in hope that Ty wouldn't get him back for it later. <sighs> he took that broad whose purse you retrieved earlier today home. You mean Catherine? When did they leave? About two hours ago. Then how come he hasn't come back yet? Well, that's the part I can't tell you about. At the Camille's apartment, two distinctive screams of pleasure can be heard. Yeah! Yells Ty in ecstasy. That's it, baby. Ooh, Catherine moans back. Oh my god. Sacre bleu, you're hitting my sweet Back at the police station. Oh, brother, Kari said, rolling her eyes. Can Ty go one week without getting a girl on the sack? You're just jealous because you haven't gotten any, stated a smirking man. Oh, please. You get laid almost every day, she exclaimed, pointing at him. And besides, my love life is none of your freaking business. Got it? Back outside the XX gulp, a fairy like Digimon lands out front. It happens to be Lilymon, Mimi's Digimon partner. As she walks towards the front door, a lecherous Vegemon steps in front of her. Got any extra pollen? Because I'd love to extract it from you. Back off, creep. As Lilymon walks past, the Vegemon gets angry and decides to use the vines to wrap the fairy Digimon up. 
Unfortunately for him, Lilymon sees this coming as she whips around, floating out of the way of the vines. But Vegemon fights back, sending a vine streaking through the sky and around Lilymon's left leg. Vegemon smiles, but Lilymon is thinking otherwise as she begins charging up for an attack. Flower Cannon! She yells as she fires the energy blast right at Vegemon, deleting the Digimon instantly. Holy shit. As she floats to the ground, she bends down and pulls a thorn that managed to get stuck in her left boot. She then looks at a few of the other male Digimon who've been also been eyeing her. They wisely decide to run away. Lilymon smiles as she walks inside the club. Inside, Lilymon discovers that the club is not as busy as she thought it would be. She looks over at the, to the bar and sees that the bartender is waving her to come over. She does so without hesitation. Evening, Rocky. Evening to you too, Lily. How many times have I told you to not call me that? She grumbled. Oh, sorry about that, Lilymon. It's okay. Now, have you seen Mimi? I think she's in back. She took two Gatsumon with her. That was 15 minutes ago, I believe. Isn't that a bit long? Lilymon asked with a raised eyebrow. Oh, Mimi's a pro. She knows how to take care of herself. Lilymon sighs. That's what I'm afraid of. Rocky goes to get a mug. You want anything to drink? No, thanks. I have to get Mimi back home. But she's not off for another three more hours. Not according to Sora. And I say, not according to me. If the Sora wants to pull her out of work early every day, why doesn't she come down here and explain to me in person why she always needs her? Because Sora is a very busy woman. You know, making deals and such. I bet. Rocky replied, snickering. Lilymon whacks him upside the head. Men, that's all you think about. What? Lilymon gets up and heads towards the back room. I'm tired of waiting. I'm gonna go get Mimi, okay? Not if she's busy, you understand? Otherwise, you can take her. But tell her that I want to talk to Sora of hers. Gotcha, Rocky. She waves goodbye to Rocky. At that moment, Mimi comes out, dressed once again in the bunny suit. The only difference from earlier is that her hair's all a mess. Mimi then realizes that Lilymon is right in front of her. Lilymon? Go get your stuff, Mimi. Sora wants you home right now. Sora? Why should I? I don't see why that bitch needs me. That bitch is paying us a lot of money to work for her. Well, I get just as much money doing this on this job. On busy nights, at least twice as much. Sora's gonna beat you if you don't get back right now. Move it, sister. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mimi grumbles as she goes to the back to change into her regular clothes. Lilymon follows her back there. Back at the apartment, a nude Catherine is out of bed, slowly slipping her clothes back on. As she slides her white lace panty up her legs, she <laughs> glances over to the bed where Ty is fast asleep. He is sleeping naked with the bed she's covering only the lower half of his body. Catherine kneels down and slides her yellow dress over her head. She then grabs her purse and slips out of the room. Once downstairs, she goes to the phone and dials a number. At that exact moment, Mimi, now dressed in a pink short-sleeved shirt, a tan brown skirt, and pink high-heeled shoes, and Lilymon are walking out of the strip club and to the back, where Mimi finds her 1999 Honda Civic. She unlocks the car, throws her bag in the bag, and gets into the car on the driver's side. Lilymon de-digivolves to Palmon before getting in on the passenger side. Just as Mimi starts the car, she hears a ring coming from her purse. Palmon, could you get that? Palmon opens Mimi's purse and pulls out the ring cell phone. 
Palmon pushes the talk button before handing it to Mimi. Mimi takes the phone from her Digimon and begins to speak to it. Hello? Mimi, it's me, came the voice, which sounded like a young woman's. Palmon briefed me on the plan. Are you all set? Let me just make sure he's out cold, okay? For about 15 seconds, Mimi hears nothing but silence on the other end. All of a sudden, a guy can be heard mumbling incoherently. Then all of a sudden, Mimi hears a loud crack, probably of a friend hitting a hostage with something, followed by a thud. After a few more seconds, Mimi's friend comes back on the phone. Shit, I think I hit him too hard. What makes you think that? Mimi curiously responded. He's got this big bump sticking out of the back of his head. Mimi sw- Oh god. Oh god. M- Mimi sweat drops. You idiot! We're just t- kidnapping him, not trying to knock him off. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Mimi sighs and shakes her head. Give me the address. 20 minutes later, the Honda Civic can be seen leaving the scene. Just seconds later, a Toyota Camry pulls up. Matt and Kari get out of it, unaware of what had just happened. Kari leads Matt up to her apartment. As she reaches the knob, she's surprised that the door's unlocked. That's weird, Kari noted. The door's unlocked. What do you mean that's weird? Asked Matt. Since when does a guy have time to get to lock the door when he's about to screw a hot girl? Will you stop talking about sex? I don't care how many positions you've done it in or how many people you've done it with, but I don't want to hear any more of it. I can show you what you're missing out on. Kari slaps Matt across the face. A police chief sleeping with one of his own detectives? Not exactly appropriate behavior, you know. And hitting a superior officer is? Retorted Matt, rubbing the red handmark left on the side of his face. Kari runs over to Ty's bedroom, which she finds open by a crack. Politely, she knocks on the door. Ty, are you decent? And please tell me that Catherine is too. After hearing nothing, she assumes that they are both asleep. She steps into the room, only to find it in utter disarray. She cringed as she went over to the bed and saw the sheets were still wet. Oh, no. <laughs> A sign that they had finished up very recently. He then saw that everything Ty had been wearing today, minus his trench coat, had been scattered all over the room. This can't be right. Unless Ty changed clothes afterwards and forgot to put the dirty ones in the laundry basket, then that would be normal. Kari then gasped when she, when she saw Catherine's purse on the nightstand. She walked over to look at it when she spotted a sticky note attached to the other side of it. She took the sticky note off and read it aloud. We have kidnapped the detective and the woman that was with him. If you ever want to see them alive again, please bring 200 million yen to the alley next to the Hiroshima Dojo at 10 o'clock tonight. Kari then looked up worriedly as she began to worry about her older brother's safety. Taikamiya slowly opened his eyes up. He tried to regather his thoughts in order to figure out what had just happened. Let's see. I had just finished having sex with Catherine, and then I fell asleep. When I tried to wake up, someone knocked me out. Ow, my head hurts. Finally awake, huh? Came another voice. Tai turned his head to the left and saw another person was next to him. It was another guy. This guy had blue hair. He was wearing a long-sleeved business shirt, a dark blue tie with a picture of an anchor on it, and khaki pants. He was also wearing a pair of blue-framed glasses. Ty assumed that the individual was about his age, if not older. He then noticed that the guy had his body and legs tied to a chair. (laughs) Then he realized that he was tied up in the exact same way. (laughs) In addition, the only things he was wearing 
was his trench coat and his shoes. Who are you? Ty asked the stranger next to him. Joe Keto, he responded, identifying himself. And you? First class detective Ty Kamiya. You must not be a very good detective if you got caught this easily. Well, it's not my fault I take a nap after I have sex. You must have just finished when they got you, since it seems you are wearing nothing but that trench coat of yours. What makes you think you're not wearing anything under this? I figured it out after the two women who brought you here and tied you up were eyeing your crotch. One of them smiled at you, too. Speaking of smiles, have you seen Catherine? Catherine? Who's Catherine? Let's see. French woman, golden yellow hair, early 20s. Probably about 5 feet 6, between 120 and 145 pounds, was wearing a strapless yellow dress, but not while I was doing her, of course. Uh Uh-huh, please don't tell me what she looks like in the buff. Why not? She's like an angel, with no clothes on. I could run my hands along her curves for days and never get tired of them. You know, I think one of the girls that brought you in here fits that description. What? No way! Joe nods. I think she used you, man. How can that be? No one uses the great Tai Kamiya. If anyone gets used, it's the girls I sleep with. The conversation was interrupted as someone opened the door to the room. Two females and their Digimon entered, but because of the direction Tai and Joe were facing, they couldn't see their faces. They could hear them, though. I swear, Mimi, one of these days a job of yours is going to get you killed. The guys hear Mimi snap her fingers. Stop being so jealous, Sora, just because you don't have the body. Don't give me that crap. At least I know how to satisfy my men. You go to that house of yours just to show your goods off. Don't call it that. It's a strip club for Pete's sake. Behind the two women were their Digimon, Biomon and Palmon. They're going to fight again, sighed Palmon. This could take a while, added Biomon. Want to go out in the forest? (laughs) What the fuck? Why is there (laughs) I don't know. Sure. The two head out of the room, wing in vine. Meanwhile, Sora and Mimi go over to their prisoners to say their hellos. Mimi was still dressed in the same clothes as before, while Sora was dressed in a tight, strapless, aqua-colored dress, which had a very, very short skirt. I see you're finally awake, Sora said to Ty. Sora? What the fuck is going on? Sora grabs Ty by the collar and starts yelling at him. You tell me, you stinking piece of trash. You know how much I still hate you after you gave up your virginity to Catherine Bouveau after all those years ago. Sora began to cry. I thought I was supposed to be your first. In a manner of speaking, she wanted it more than you did. That was all there was to it. I see. She responded, releasing Ty and pushing his chair down on the floor. Why'd you push me down? Simply put, you deserved it. That's all there was to it. Ty growled as Mimi went over to Joe and straddled him. As Joe opens his mouth to object, Mimi smothers him with a long kiss, twirling her tongue inside his mouth throughout the whole time. Joe struggled to break free, but it was no use. Mimi, could you please not make out with the prisoners? Mimi released her lip lock on Joe and turned to Sora as her victim breathed for air. You let me do it last night, she pouted. Ty here is a bit of a pervert, Sora commented, glaring at Ty. If you do that little strip tease of yours on Joe again, you might turn this guy on. Who knows what he'll do to you if he gets free? Mimi gets off of Joe and walks over to Sora. 
Mibi then eyes Ty suspiciously. Now that you mention it, I could swear he thrust it up into me when I was putting on his seatbelt in the car. Ty gave Mimi a look of innocence, but Mimi wasn't buying it one bit. Neither was Sora. Why are you keeping us here? Ty asked defiantly. You see, began Mimi, we can't risk being out in public when we pull off our little crimes, so we recruit guys to do the dirty work for us. Remember that guy you caught today? Sora asked Ty. He nodded. He was working for us. Michael was working for you? Ty asked in shock. Yep. Mimi nodded happily. He doesn't have much of an output in the sack, though. And you're telling me this because... Ty questioned, somewhat afraid of the answer. Oh, it's the least I can do for a former boyfriend, replied Sora. By the way, we're going to have to kill you. I figured as much, Ty responded. Joe began to panic. You're not going to kill me too, right? He asked. Mimi smiled at him. Sorry, my dear, but you heard everything too. We have to get rid of you as well. Hey, I can forget all about it. I have a tendency to forget about things that I don't care about all that much. You don't have to worry about me telling your secret plans to the police. We can't risk it, Sora said. You'll both be eliminated at dawn. She then turns to Ty. In the meantime, I think we should get rid of your sister while we're at it. Huh? Kari, keep her out of this. She has nothing to do with this. I'm sorry, Ty, but any relative of yours must be eradicated from the face of the earth. You're evil, Sora. Real evil. Why'd you change? What happened to the sweet girl that I grew up with? She died the moment that bitch Catherine stole your virginity away from me. <gasps> Catherine will get hers too when I find her, but I'll be satisfied with you and your sister for the time being. Sora then turns to Mimi. Find Kari Kamiya and have Biomon and Palmon destroy her. Do the same to anyone that's with her. Mimi bows to Sora. As you wish. I'll go retrieve our Digimon now. Mimi runs out of the room. Sora then walks out, laughing maniacally as she gives her two prisoners one last look. Get a good night's sleep tonight, you two, because it's going to be the last one you awake from. With that, Sora exits, closing and locking the door behind her. At exactly 10 o'clock, Kari is waiting in the alley next to the Hiroshima Dojo. She is holding a sack of money in her hands. Agumon and Gatomon are hiding behind the trash dumpsters a bit further back in the alley. Remember, guys, she told the two Digimon, when I give you the signal, you jump out here, okay? The two Digimon nod in agreement. All of a sudden, Kari spots a flying Digimon in the air, heading her way. Agumon and Gatomon go into hiding. A Birdramon lands to Kari's left. Hanging off one of the legs happens to be Mimi and her Palmon. Birdramon then de-digivolves to Biomon. The trio then walks over to Kari. Are you Kari Kamiya? Mimi asks Kari. What if I am? Do you have the money? Kari hands the sack to Mimi. She opens it and sees that there is some money in it. But obviously enough, it is a lot less than the amount they asked for. Mimi decides to ignore it since she was going to get rid of Kari anyway. She closes the sack and glares at Kari. I kept up my end of the bargain, Kari stated. Now where's my brother? Oh, don't worry, he's safe with us. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for you. Mimi points to Kari defiantly. Beomon, Palmon, get rid of her! Kari gasps as the two rookie-level Digimon walk towards her. Luckily, Agumon and Gatomon had realized that she needed help, and so they jump out to assist Kari. Huh? You have Digimon as well? Mimi said, surprised and a bit scared at the same time. 
Kari smiled. Afraid that my Digimon will beat yours? Mimi smiled back. I don't think that's gonna happen. Beomon, Palmon, Digivolve! Beomon, Digivolve too? Birdramon! <laughs> Yells the cute pink bird who turns into a giant orange bird. Palmon, Digivolve too? Togamon! Yells the plant-like Digimon who transforms into a giant cactus. Kari turns to Agumon and Gatomon in desperation. You two can Digivolve too, right? Agumon, confused about the whole thing, turns to Kari and asks, What does Digivolve mean? Everyone except Agumon face faults. Really? Gatomon then gets up and admits to Kari. I'm a champion level Digimon like those two are, but I don't think the odds are in our favor if Agumon can't Digivolve to champion. Enough talk! Yelled Mimi. Get rid of all of them. Meteor Wing! <laughs> Birdramon shouts, sending a huge flaming bird projectile at the trio. Kari, Agumon, and Gatumon all hit the ground and duck out of the way. The attack does hit the small building on the right side of the building, though, causing it to waver just a bit. If you think that was hot, began Togemon, then wait until you get a taste of my needle spray! Togemon fires a cluster of cactus needles at the trio. They manage to duck behind a trash dumpster, but not before Agumon gets stabbed by two of the needles in the tail. Seeing that they had nowhere to run, Mimi comes up with a way to end this battle quickly. Bring that building down! She shouted, referring to the five-story office building that housed the Karate Dojo as well as other important city financial offices. Bergeron fired off meteor wing after meteor wing, while Togemon punches dents in the building hoping to weaken the structure enough that it would fall over. In just a matter of seconds, it did just that. Kari, Agumon, and Gatomon had nowhere to go, as the building collapsed into the alley that they were hiding in. Mimi smirked as the building was reduced to a pile of rubble, save for the first floor. She laughed evilly as Mimi climbed onto Birdramon's leg. Togemon de-digivolved back to Palamon again and joined her trainer as the trio took to the air, happy that their mission had been accomplished. Kari was dead, and in the morning, Joe and Ty would join her. Next episode preview, narrated by Ty. Oh my god, Kari's dead! Well, not quite, but she comes very close. And when my dad checks up on her in the hospital, will he convince her to quit? Meanwhile, in order to escape death myself, Joe and I managed to escape from our prison cell. The only problem is, we have no idea where we are. We can't be in Tokyo. Heck, we might not even be on Earth. Oh, and wait till you find out who's the third member of this evil trio that we're up against. The answer will surprise you. Or you might already know who it is. Your call. Don't miss Meet the Detectives Kamiya Part 2 next time.